Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this, the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And I'm very excited today to be discussing artificial intelligence, uh, the ethics behind it, um, and also some of the regulatory framework that's developing around it. It's a, kind of a new uh, frontier, and it's something that employers really need to be um, cognizant of. And uh, today, my two guests uh, are Rob Sibba, who is partner at Seifarth and Shaw, excuse me, that's Seifarth Shaw, no end, and, uh, and also Isabel Beekler, who is co-founder and COO at Retrain.ai, which is a uh, vendor of uh, artificial intelligence for uh, developing self-evolving ontologies of your, your uh, workforce's um, skills and also the roles that you have at your organization. So welcome to you both. Thank you, happy to be here. Thanks for having us, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't I give you both an opportunity here to kind of introduce yourselves and just give us a little bit of a background on uh, why uh, you're so interested in this topic and what qualifies you to discuss it. Uh, Isabel, how about, um, how about you go first? Sure, sure. Um, so I'm Isabel. I'm, uh, as, uh, as you said, I'm the uh, COO and co-founder of Retrain AI. Uh, Retrain AI, just to kind of recap about it. Uh, so we're an AI-powered platform for managing talent into the future of work with an end-to-end application for talent management, talent acquisition, learning and development, and talent insights. Uh, we're built on the intelligence comprised of billions of data points from labor market data with global compliances and bias prevention built in. And when I mentioned bias prevention, that's why uh, today I want to talk about what are the biases that are created, uh, what is AI, how is responsible AI here to help all that, um, and just a quick kind of a background about me. I'm an attorney um, and I'm also uh, graduating now from the uh, um, Stern Business Schools at NYU at the graduate program of risk management. And my research is about the risk of diversity and inclusion and specifically about tools, uh, responsible AI's uh, tools to prevent biases, uh, to promote DEI. Um, so that's about me, thank you. Yeah. Very interesting. Rob. Absolutely. Again, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Rob Sib. I'm a partner at SciFar, and I focus on advising employers on various federal, state, and local uh, requirements in hiring, employer relations, and terminations of employment. Uh, I also defend employers in lawsuits that challenge various employment practices. Uh, in my practice, uh, my focus has been on various uh, concepts relating to discrimination and bias disparate treatment and disparate impact on employees, both on, you know, under federal regulatory and statutory frameworks, as well as state and municipal level. So uh, I've had quite a bit of different angles on, on the, the types of biases that, that we're talking about, including on this new, you know, the new frontier of, of AI and how that, uh, how that falls into these frameworks and into a lot of these concepts. So happy to, happy to discuss. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's um, it's it's a very fast developing, um, and I I'd say I, we're probably still in the early. We may are we still in the early stages? Maybe we're not anymore. <laughs> a regulatory framework always takes a little while to kind of catch up. Um, yeah, really looking forward to hearing your 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 insights here. Why don't why don't we why don't we start with um, 
just kind of a broad, a broad question around, you know, AI and, you know, why, why is it being adopted uh, so much uh, in specifically in human capital management uh, as an HR technology? What's, what's driving this? Isabel. Sure. So yes, we see definitely an increase of more than 55% from last year uh, in adoption of AI and automation. Um, and that's been around, it's not new, but the, of course, COVID-19 accelerated all these processes of adoption uh, tremendously. And mainly the reason is to optimize and reduce cost. Uh, and this is what AI and automation is, are doing. Um, specifically in human resources, you see it for optimization of talent. Um, and this is really what we're here uh, at Retrain AI, what we're doing. We're optimizing different categories such as talent hiring, talent acquisition, talent management, learning and development, uh, and informing HRs with a lot of data points uh, from labor markets to understand what's going on in their uh, domain uh, and base their decisions upon data. So that's, that's the, uh, the main driver. Another driver is also the increasing diversity and equity and inclusion efforts. Uh, these are the things that we see across the board, across industries. Specifically, you see a, a very uh, significant uh, an uptick rise in, uh, in finance, but uh, basically uh, trying to put more efforts into DI initiatives. We see 58 uh, percentage increase in the spending on these uh, different uh, efforts. So these, these are the second, uh, this is the second driver. Another thing is uh, that is also correlated to what's going on with COVID is the, um, the challenges that HR have right now in terms of the labor market. So the, there's a tight labor market um, in terms of the shortage of talent. And you see that everywhere. Again, you see specific industries that are more under uh, pressure such as healthcare, for example, there, there are 580, thousand nurses in demand and also software developers and data scientists talking about AI um, and also track drivers. So that's one thing. So it's called the, the war for talent. The second thing that I'm sure you're very well familiar with Brent is the great resignation. So there's a quit rate of 4% per month and it's just growing. So people are living in droves. So these are the challenges that HRs have, companies have. And so again, uh, taking all this into consideration, you see the rise of adoption of AI to help HRs and uh, also promote DEI efforts. And now the question arises, uh, is this AI safe? Is this trustworthy? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and, and I want to dive into that because um, there's a lot of interesting stuff uh, that I've been hearing, uh, a lot of it from you folks. And But, but first, I just want to kind of hit on that that uh, that great resignation piece of the puzzle for a moment here, um, and and also how it fits in with the idea of a of a self evolving ontology. Uh, maybe you could just delve into that specifically a little bit so that we understand just exactly what what it means when we're applying AI in this context. So for us, um, we look at everything by skills. Uh, we look at a person as an aggregation of skills and occupation role as an aggregation of skills. And so at this atomic level gives us a better understanding of, first of all, what's going on in the market? What are the occupations on the rise? What are the skills 
declining and emerging. How is automation uh, actually affecting that, right? There's a lot of skills that now are obsolete. You're not using them anymore. And on the other hand, there's a lot of new skills coming in. So first we want to understand what's going on in the market. And that's what our technology does. It ingests billions of data points from different sources, such as job boards to understand demand, such as profiles online, such as LinkedIn, for example. Uh, courses, actually, educational content also gives you the understanding of the trend. So we can predict what are the uh, skills in demand, what are the skills of tomorrow, and help organization prepare and understand first what the inventory of skills they have currently and what should they have and enhance specifically, what are the specific areas in their organization they need to actually add uh, skills and be prepared for the future of work. So that's the first thing. And again, then it helps and we provide this uh, use case uh, application for the day-to-day -day, uh, work that HR have for hiring, for training, for uh, managing their talents. So basically we see, and that's the skills gap we call, uh, the skills gap is widening due to automation and AI. And so if you wanna be actually all of us, if we wanna be um, relevant in the next five years, we need to significantly upskill and reskill ourselves. So mm -hmm. that's where we come in and help organization understand what are the areas, if it's healthcare, finance, uh, manufacturing, retail, where they need to enhance their skills and upskills and reskills their um, talent. Yeah, yeah, and, and for the employer, the benefit is that is kind of, well, it's probably more than twofold, but what I can think of right off the top of my head is, for one, uh, because of the tight talent uh, market right now, you know, it's good to know what you actually have inside the organization already that could be developed through, you know, career pathing and training and this sort of stuff, right? Exactly. And at this, yeah, and at, at the same time, you're you're combating that great resignation uh, to a degree, right? Because you're you're giving your existing internal talent um, a, a, a rationale to stay um, because exactly. okay, now oh, my employer understands me better, and and what I find to be so. Um, fascinating about this and is that with the application of AI, right, it actually makes the, the workplace feel more human because that, that ultimately is a human feeling uh, or a human desire to, to be, you know, of belonging, of, want, of feeling like my, my employer cares about me or understands me at least, right? So that's, exactly. a, human, that's a human result. And um, so we yeah. use AI basically not to displace people, to enhance them. So that's, that's the power we give to HRs now to understand your skill set. And now we can actually offer you much, many more opportunities that we have, but we didn't know you could actually be relevant for. Mm, and yeah. we see that one of the, the, the top reasons for people leaving companies talking about the great resignation is actually not being able to see how they can develop and progress. What is the career path waiting for them within this company? So now when we understand what is the probability of a person to progress in a specific uh, trajectory of his careers, we can see how it aligns to the company's strategy, the, the strategy of a company and actually connect the dots and offer the person the different opportunities that layer uh, in the company, if it's training opportunities, uh, positions, mentors to upskill and reskill and also full-time positions. And so we decrease this uh, quit rate. And of course, we bring a lot of value to these employees to be more engaged, more productive. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. So I have uh, two questions uh, for you, Rob. 
Um, one is uh, sort of a broad question. I'm, I'm just curious uh, around the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion piece. Are, are you seeing, um, because this has occurred to me um, and I've kind of asked around and, and I'm not sure what the answer is yet, but is there a kind of a regulatory sort of, is there a compliance facet to DE&I that's uh, developing vis-a-vis um, uh, -vis AI or just employment law in general? Well, that's a, that's a great question. With the DEI concept, um, that concept has evolved and stands on the shoulders of a number of other initiatives and developments over the years. Certainly going back to the civil rights movement 50, 60, 70 years ago, uh, there have been efforts to <clears throat> reduce disparate impacts and treatments of employees over the years. The DEI concept has, like I said, has been developing over a number of years. And a lot of the regulatory framework that exists is meant to support that. The current efforts uh, that exist are sort of evolutions of, of previous uh, efforts and previous initiatives, previous solutions that were found. So in terms of a, a focus on this, you know, I'll give you a great example. The US Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, certainly takes a look holistically at organizations and employers at all levels uh, and looks for disparate impacts. So for example, policies or, or processes that are used, different practices in, in business that are used that might have a disparate impact on a certain group uh, more so than others. Now, the policy may be neutral on its face. Um, you know, it, it, may, it may be a very benign policy, but in practice, when it's implemented, there's a certain disadvantage to a certain group. So that's an agency, you know, as a, as a quick example at the federal level, that looks at these issues uh, on a much broader scale, on a much from a much broader perspective, and certainly looks to uh, address those issues through already existing framework. I mean, the the laws that exist in most jurisdictions are both are both broad enough and flexible enough that they can be utilized conceptually for new technologies as they as they are implemented. So, you know, just to kind of bring it back to the AI front. Uh, the same thing that I said about a certain policy or practice that appears benign if it has disparate impact on a certain group, if hypothetically there was an AI solution that was presented that was functioning in a way that excluded uh, members of a certain race or a certain demographic based on a legally protected category, the framework exists to be able to address that. Yeah. It, you, don't really, you don't really need to create new new laws to fully regulate this because those laws are flexible enough to, to apply in this context. Interesting. And um, I guess what that sort of prompts in my mind is that, you know, so the flip side of that is that, you know, and kind of uh, parlaying with what Isabel was saying previously, AI can actually help an organization to uh, ensure that it, that it does not run afoul of uh, these types of uh, of this type of a framework, right? If it's if it's in a sentence in a way that sort of ensures DE and I, right? So that there's there's a um, sort of a, an equal um, represent or a, a comparable representation of various uh, groups within the uh, within the uh, within the organization. So it's it's that's that's what's super interesting to me is you know that and 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 
we're not going to get to it quite yet, but I want to get to it is this idea of responsible AI and all that. But we're we're kind of getting right into that right now, where AI can be it can be a double a double edged sword, and let's let's make sure we use the the right edge of the sword, right? Exactly. Um, For sure. Um, yeah. Now, now, Rob, I know that also there was some recent um, legislation uh, law that's going to go in effect. I think in early two thousand three. Excuse me, 2023. Um, You're taking us back 20 years, bro. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) A little time travel. Yeah, I know. AI is, um, uh, yeah, that was a slip of the tongue. But anyways, so uh, yeah, there's there's some laws uh, coming into uh, effect in uh, New York uh, around this hiring practices with AI. Can you delve into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I. If, if it's okay, I'd like to kind of take a step back real quick to something sure. you said about responsible AI and, and this as a solution for some of the disparate impact that I've been talking about. You know, what's interesting from my vantage point is that in, in the grand scheme of, you know, the universe, I guess, uh, AI is relatively early in the, the way that it's implemented in the workplace. And the possibilities are vast. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, but the problem is, the first thing that comes out, the first solution that, that we see is probably not going to be the perfect end-all, you know, optimized solution that's ever going to exist. It's a work in progress. And in, from my vantage point, we're still at a relatively early stage in development. So I can, I can see theoretically something being developed, um, you know, in, in the near future that, ha- that is a great solution and is well-intentioned. But operates in the way that maybe it doesn't doesn't address all the DEI issues as adequately as we would like, and that's okay. You know that's that's okay, and that's going to be an opportunity to learn and improve um, things like and kind of bringing it back to your your specific question. Now, New York City did pass a law this year that requires an audit uh, of whatever D, whatever AI tool is being used in the HR context. Uh, and it also penalizes employers that don't perform the audit, but also gives the option to employees to to ask the employer to use a uh, non-AI process for their candidacy for employment. So sim- simplest, the, the simple version of that law is basically that. It's, it's an audit requirement and <clears throat> giving the employees the opportunity to opt out of AI. Now, what's interesting to me about that is that law was passed uh, a couple of months ago, it goes into effect in January 2023. But at the moment, in order to perform these types of audits that we're that we're talking about, it requires use of that tool and enough data to be able to meaningfully analyze and assess how these AI functions are performing. They may be performing optimally. They may have room for improvement, and that's okay. the The issue that I'm seeing is that the law went into effect at a relatively early process to regulate mm-hmm. the use of AI. And my concern is that it's going to, to stifle that development because okay. now we don't really have a set standard for what is an acceptable benchmark uh, or an error rate or what's the data set that we're supposed to be analyzing. And candidly, we don't really have a lot of in- insight from what the, you know, what the law says to be able to figure those things out. My worry is that over the course of the next, you know, eight, six, however many months it's going to take to, to get this law implemented, uh, my concern is that employers are going to be 
kind of put in the crunch. You know, you have to comply with this law, but we're not really, we haven't really figured out what the, what the standards are. So what are you, okay. what are you supposed to do? Um, yeah, and the I law think, is silent about it. It doesn't say anything. There's, there are no criteria right. in this law. How, how do I right. know if I've, if I've complied? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good question. And, and this, I have a very kind of, uh, I guess, granular question about this law is, is the requirement simply to conduct the audit and and say, okay, here's the audit, or are there consequences for the audit showing certain things, or, or is it, or, do the certain things shown by the audit open up the employer to other regulations that may apply, or what's um, what yeah, what what is the um, what is the uh, the, the requirement? Uh, is it just the audit, or? All great questions, Brian. <laughs> and the law is silent on just silent. about all of them. Wow. It just the, says that you have an independent audit, whatever it means, it's mm -hmm. not really uh, defined. And that's a little bit of the crunch that I was talking about putting employers in. So you're supposed to do an audit, but we don't know who's supposed to do it, what the criteria is that they're supposed to use, what data are they supposed to analyze, and what result are they trying to achieve in order to receive a passive score. Right. Wow. So now what? Where does that leave you? Yeah. So, yeah, so I think actually it's um, it, it's true. What what the regulator has done is kind of went advanced too fast without really thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we need to put the content into that. And as a tech company that is really advanced here, we can help, and we're bringing the forefront of responsible AI. And we're actually on the board of the. Uh, the innovative program of uh, the World Economic Forum to create a certification for responsible AI, because as, as Rob just said, there's no benchmark. You can see that actually the uh, EU, the European Commission, uh, has already started that work, and they're very advanced in Europe about it. There's the, the, the law, it's a national law, was uh, enacted and is in effect from April 2021. So mm. it's there and there's a standard there there's also some other laws also now in illinois about video uh, um, interviews and also in colorado and now there's a bill in california you see a rising um, in these kind of regulation uh, regulatory measures but again i think there are some benchmarks for that there are some measure to take and for now because and and i I'm, i understand your concern rob but i think the problems that are faced uh, that HR are faced with are so big. So they're uh, definitely willing to try uh, to use AI. And AI, by the way, this law is only talking about AI used for promotions and hiring. So for okay. retention, for training, for development, for management of employees, that's a different thing. Um, and I agree that there is kind of a concern, but we can fill it in with a lot of different criteria that already are in practice, they're the best practices. But definitely there's a, a need for a, a more defined uh, criteria for that. If, if I could just, if I may, you know, looking at this sort of at first blush here, it seems to me that the, the greatest risk to the organization is in is is in the the uh, the, uh, the aspect of the law that gives employees the opportunity to opt out of the AI, right? So that's and and I can understand that at you know you know, you know first pass you know you want people are kind of AI sounds kind of scary until you look into it look into it more and then depending on your perspective it looks more scary <laughs> scarier or or maybe less scary right? Mm -hmm. um, responsible AI. 
for instance, um, being the less scary. Um, but it, it's interesting to me because that's that's a because if you haven't if you have a situation that see to me this is a self defeating almost regulation right because if you look at a solution like uh, such as you know a self evolving ontology informed by a responsible AI you're only ensuring that that your employees are going to be happier right and so you know it's almost almost a sad thing to see that a lot of people who may not understand how it works would decide just right at the outset to opt out and that it, it, by the same token to me it seems that this is an opportunity for for vendors who have who have responsible ai ai that that isn't going to exclude people that's going to actually be inclusive that's going to uh, promote inclusivity and and uh, and greater harmony and greater uh, positive employee sentiment it's an opportunity for them to say hey look you know Use us, I mean, you know, exactly. as the regulatory framework um, kind of catches up here, understandably so, you know, there's, I think it's tough to talk about AI without mentioning Elon Musk at some point. So I, I will, this obligatory Elon Musk um, mention, but just very briefly, I, I remember viewing a YouTube video of an interview of him from a few years back where he said, we have to get out ahead of AIs. We need to understand it and, you know, and, and put some sort of a regulatory framework around it. And, and maybe that was an impetus or a, um, uh, an impetus for for uh, industry to start thinking about well we need to be uh, ethical with our AI so maybe it's kind of a of a of a of a circular thing uh, where they feed off each other Th those are some of my thoughts um, well yeah Ron I can I can kind of chime in with um, there there is a tremendous amount of thought and research and study that's been conducted in the AI space. These concepts are not necessarily novel, and there is a lot of effort that's that's being made to optimize AI for a lot of different uses, not just the employment context. But as it relates here, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for development and really utilizing AI in a very positive and meaningful way. Going back to the concern I shared earlier about regulation, I'm not opposed to regulation necessarily, and I think it's you know perhaps there is some some framework that we need to work in. From my vantage point, however, I think that there's a little bit of a disconnect and I think there's a lot of opportunity and perhaps, you know, from my perspective, it, I think everybody would benefit from a little bit more um, collaboration between some of the uh, folks that are regulating and some of the folks that are really deep into this, into this space, because, you know, I think everybody agrees or, or maybe I'm being a little optimistic about this. I think everybody would agree and get behind the concept of responsible AI. Nobody wants to just sit there and develop AI that's harmful to, to humans and to the population and to workers. I think everybody's well-intentioned. <clears throat> the, the issue is that in order to meaningfully regulate and at the same time allow for positive development, I think that has to be a very thoughtful and deliberate process to that goal. My, my worry about some of the regulations that pop up is that we, we sort of smack down development before it really has a chance to, to grow and develop into, you know, in, in, in its natural state. Um, you know, so from my perspective, I would, I would love to see a little bit more collaboration, uh, idea sharing, um, you know, whatever, whatever form it takes um, 
you know, but but have a little bit more of a structure that's that's designed to promote the development of responsible AI and not just stop it before something bad happens. It sounds like you're, and I would agree with you. It sounds like you're uh, describing sort of a a um, uh, a product, not a protocol, like a framework, uh, uh, an open form framework. You know, a guided open form framework for 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 for. Um, uh, communicate opening the lines of communications between communication between various stakeholders, uh, whether it be creators of AI and, or employment groups and these sorts of things to help sort of shape that regular regular regulation those regulations and, uh, and move them in the right direction. Yeah, generally, I would say I I can't think of any instance where open communication has been a detriment to development of, of in any area. So yeah. I think that the more that we can work together, the more that we can understand each other's perspectives, chances are the better of an end result that we're have, we'll have. Efforts like what Isabel is, is doing and what Retrain is doing, I think are, are extremely important to, to move that forward. Um, whether it's in the AI space or other areas of, of you know the law that I've seen, the more that folks are, are able to come together, share ideas, develop, listen to each other's concerns, that's all the better of a result that you normally get. The, the, the concern I have is that the more isolated we are and the, more, the, the less that we're doing that, the more that we're able, the more that we're likely to run into friction between different stakeholders. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I Isabel, um, maybe this is a good point. Two things that I think fit right into this in terms of you know, people understanding AI a little bit better. If we can, if we can move the needle at all with this podcast, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Um, what's the difference between specifically a black box solution and a white box solution? If you could explain right. that, right. and Maybe. also, yeah. and also the one other thing that I, I think it fits in um, is how can an AI be responsible AI? What does it mean for an AI okay. to be responsible AI? So let me, let me maybe explain a little bit about responsible AI. And, and I agree just to kind of uh, chime in to what Rob said. Uh, I do agree that we need collaboration. It's not just us and the regulators, for example, tech companies and uh, the ones that are bringing the forefront of technology is also academia and all these um, NGOs that are trying also to tackle this problem. There's many. And, and yes, we are partnering with different uh, stakeholders to really kind of uh, understand what does it mean? How do we solve this huge problem? Because AI is everywhere. It, it really is um, it, it really is felt in every aspect of our lives. It's not just about HR, right? It's about lending and uh, underwriting you when you're uh, given a, a, a premium for your insurance and whatever you do in your daily life involves AI now. And it's going to continue and rise. So how do we really make sure this AI is used uh, well and responsibly? So a responsible AI, and this is really most of the criteria that you can see, the, the benchmark is talking about five dimensions for evaluation. The first one uh, is the explainability of the AI. So you understand what is the input putting, putting uh, into the model. And what is the output? Why uh, specifically did you use variables, these specific variables, and how did you get this input? So that is the first uh, pillar we can say. So you want to ensure that everybody understands the vendor. Sometimes you see vendors that are really uh, having problems explaining uh, the recommendation that their system is providing. Of course, the customers of this technology and the users 
So they all understand and it's explainable. It's also people call it transfer, uh, transparent. So that's, that's both of them, it's kind of used uh, interchangeably. Uh, the second thing is really the data quality and the compliance to privacy. Uh, and that's of course, this is touching a lot of different points about privacy and security. So of course, complying to that and using the data uh, with the right consent and the compliance to privacy rights and human rights. Uh, second is robustness of the data. So if you're using, it depends on the samples data that you're using, either for your training data sets and also for the, the, the data sets that you're really uh, applying it to for your customer. So the more uh, the data you're using is, is the sample size is larger, you are prone to less uh, accurate and, and less mistakes. So that's the robustness of the data set. So it provides accurate and granular results. Um, accountability is something that is now been discussed. So meaning that organizations and vendors are actually operating AI systems that they are accountable for that, for their proper functioning. So they're running audits themselves. So they have, and that's what the law is telling you. It's telling you, you have to take responsibility of it and you need to make sure it is audited. There is, and there are many different methodologies to audit. Uh, AI, but I'm just laying out all the different pillars. Yeah. The last one is really the, the fairness algorithm. So that's really the, uh, the models that you're using. And so uh, there, that's the way to mitigate these biases. So neural networks, for example, that's one of the models and deep learning. These are technologies that use really billions of data points in the inputs. And that's why we call them black boxes because this is harder to explain what inputs were put into the model and what are the outputs. That's, that's the problem with this kind of black box. And white box, of course, are the opposite. You can actually, it's, it's really touching upon all these different pillars that I've just described. So it's checking the box on them. So it's transparent, explainable, robust, uh, unbiased, the, the fairness algorithms that are tested periodically and, and, and so forth. So, so that's really the technology we use, for example, because it's based on the ontology, on the skills. So you see exactly the skills that are put into the models. We're not looking, for example, just to give an example to explain all that uh, technicalities. Uh, um, so if you're looking at a person, right, some, some uh, technologies could look at past performance, right? And you know, the it's, it's widely known, uh, the cases with Amazon, for example, right? And mm. another company. So they were looking for the ideal type of uh, software developer. I'm not gonna go into the full detail, but they were creating this ideal type of top performer. Mm. So based on that, it learned the machine, they fed it and trained it to detect these kind of top performers. So the problem is the model was based upon um, white males. Mm -hmm. So that's the output also that you got from these uh, bias. That's a biased model, right? It yeah. used variables that are not supposed to be there. So based on skills, just looking at the different skills and also testing it constantly against different samples, right? To see if there are differences to the benchmark, if it's the population, if it's a specific industry uh, distribution, you're able to detect biases and reduce them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great example. You know, uh, we've had a few podcasts in the past here in HR Tech Chat where we've discussed various 
discussed AI from sort of a philosophical level, and and I'm not a philosophy person. I don't have any schooling in that, but but it's interesting to talk about and to think about. And one of the things that you mentioned is the, um, you know, uh, having uh, having as much data as possible informing the AI, right? And that that's that uh, increases the increases the um, the potential for it to be as unbiased as possible because and that's come up in uh, from a different slightly different angle in previous conversations where we talk about well how do you inform ai that's most reflective of the human experience right well you include as broad of a spectrum as possible of the of human sentiment um to make it so and so uh, that was just an that's that's an that's interesting to me. So you know, the whole idea is more data, more data, more data is yeah. much. I mean, for yeah. sure, if you go, you know, and the um, just just use a sample size data of a company by itself, just one company, it's not going to be enough, right? And some some technologies are doing it. We're saying no, aggregate many companies and public sources. So there, you have a right sample size for for your training purpose and also for the usage itself. Uh, the technology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just looking at the time, and and uh, we could probably talk about this all day. <laughs> we like to keep the podcast about 35 minutes, though. So I think that we'll um, let's um, let's let's kind of uh, conclude here. Um, Rob, any any uh, any additional thoughts from from your side of side of the aisle, uh, the legal aspects of this? Sure. Well, I'll say, I'll say this. I think we're in an exciting time for AI because we're we're seeing a lot of possibilities and they're at our fingertips. You know, we're, we're on the verge of a lot of great developments, I think, and a lot of novel and, and great uses to this stuff. The only, the only reservation and concern that I have is that the, the less that we even do things like this, have a dialogue and, and, and talk about some of the different issues and aspects of it, um, it, it does raise the potential for a lot of the friction I mentioned earlier. And, and just hearing Isabel talk now about aggregating data, the, the, the types of inputs that result in optimal uh, solutions and analyses and, and, and optimization of AI. This is, this is exactly what I was referring to when I said earlier about New York not having enough standards or, or really enough development uh, in their law. So my, my concern is that we before it gets off the ground, we regulate it and stifle development before we can actually realize some of the potential. So I, I, I look forward to seeing, you know, what some of the capabilities are and, and what we can do with AI to, to enhance, whether it's hiring, whether it's training, whether it's the employment experience, that's going to be positive for both employers and employees. Um, but we'll see, we'll see how we go. We'll see where yeah. we, we're, we'll see where we wind up with this. Yeah, exactly. It's a critical time in the development of AI. It's, and it's also an opportunity to kind of get out ahead of it now and to start uh, developing it uh, with intentionality, uh, with sort of a broad um, uh, respect for sort of the human condition um, so that it that it becomes sort of a, uh, a uh, you know, a complement uh, to our existence, uh, which I think would be, which is what we're all striving, striving for, Isabel. Any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I would say uh, I think responsible AI should be just a, a part of every AI strategy right now. Uh, so 
on every top management agenda, uh, they should also, when they're talking about AI, they should also think about the responsible AI, ethical AI. And uh, we're here to help. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you both uh, for joining me today for this, for this episode. I just wanna do a quick call out. Um, uh, we're gonna be doing a, a webinar on June 8th at 10 a.m. Eastern, uh, where we're gonna dive into the details and parameters of the new New York City law uh, that we've been discussing today and, uh, and what enterprises need to know now to begin preparing. Uh, so be on the lookout for that, folks. Um, there'll be a registration for that soon. Uh, in the meantime, again, thank you both so much. A really important conversation. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thanks Absolutely. for having us, Brock.